0: Scott, let's talk about Colby Plus. I've got my Colby Plus wetsuit right here.
1: I was going to wear it for today's show because it's so comfortable. (laughs) That would have been epic, dude, if you would have rocked up in a wetsuit. Um, I wore my Colby Plus. I actually did wear my Colby Plus in the water, and it's amazing. It's so soft and so warm and so stretchy and flexible and I can't say enough wonderful things about the comfort and warmth. It's everything that you want in a wetsuit.
0: Yeah, I agree. Get, you know, comfort and warmth is what's important, but there's a couple of additional details that I'm going to, uh, read to listeners here because I think these are important too. fit. This thing fits me better than anything else. And the, it's a more generous opening, like the way that the shoulders are constructed, um, It's wider, but it still covers everything so that there's no water that gets through or anything like that. It's just easier to get on and off, essentially. And then in terms of life of the suit, there's a one-year warranty, no questions asked. There's free returns and exchanges, free repairs for the life of the suit, if you can believe that. So that's pretty awesome. And then free recycling once the suit has outlived its useful life. So a lot of reasons to buy Colby Plus suits.
1: Yeah, super good wetsuits and uh, great value as well. And yeah. uh, look, the winter's here. The water's chilly. Um, there's swells on the way. El Nino is happening. I want to be in the best gear. I want to have the best gear. I want to be surrounded by the best gear. I don't want anything to slip past me. And so Colby Plus is a part of my uh, surfing regime.
0: com for 100% Yamamoto rubber. Uh, they have different qualities, by the way, of Yamamoto rubber. This is Yamamoto number thirty-nine and forty. So check that out if you'd like to. And then, of course, the other easy decision is drift line neoprene-lined board shorts. So what, whatever you need a board short for, I feel like this is the perfect solution. There's not a reason that I would want a board short at
1: this point moving forward without the neoprene compression. Totally agree. I love the half millimeter uh, neoprene lined to drifties from Driftline. I have uh, two or three pair. I also have the wonderful uh, SPF sun protection um, sun shirt, long sleeve sun shirt, which is great for lounging, super soft and silky. Uh, both of those items uh, must haves uh, along with, for, frankly, the Colby plus wetsuit. So these are things that are super simple, super easy and um, total no brainer. Like, one, they're the kind of thing that once you put on the drifties, once you put on the sun shirt, you're like, why didn't I do this for the last twenty five years? Yeah, perfect holiday gifting too. Ideas. Oh, great so, idea! Yeah, yeah,
0: and uh, we have a discount that'll save you fifteen percent, and that is promo code SPIT, and you do that on Driftline.co, not com, but Driftline.co. So go check that stuff out. <laughs>
1: Friggin' guy, David. Yeah, guy. It's Thursday morning. It's November 9th. I'm trying to catch up on my surf information for the week. I've been uh busy with some other stuff, but man, it looks like a busy week in the a busy week of surf here um this week. David, first of all, welcome to the show. Welcome to Spit. Thank you. Great to see you. Thanks for taking time
0: to do it. I've got um Full show outlined, so you can just sit back and give me three hot takes on each topic, if you'd like. Okie dokie. You put me on the spot, hot. are you? They have to be hot, no, no right. cold takes. Okay. Um, just to kick off, though, I do have a couple of things I want to touch on. Feedback from previous shows, and also, Surfing World Magazine issue number four twenty one just landed here in my home. Sean Doherty sends me a couple of boxes of these every issue and uh to make available to anybody in the united states so uh it's just kind of the i'm the distributor essentially for surfing world magazine so if anybody wants that then grab it on SurfSplendorPodcast.com on the website we do it at cost um 20 bucks a mag and uh we'll ship it to you if you live outside of the u.s you should order directly on surfing world's website but for anybody in the u.s this is a great way to be able to get A magazine without paying shipping from
1: Australia, essentially. Let me ask you this, because as you mentioned this, I think to myself, one of the coolest things when you and I were growing up surfing, I was in the 80s, you were in the 90s, was getting your hands on an Australian surf magazine or a Brazilian surf magazine or any surf magazine that wasn't sort of Orange County, North America centric. Because you got to open it up and you got to really like start to understand the culture of Australia. You got to understand the different regions, the different groups, which surfers were from which area, how their culture sort of um, not only evolved, but how it is now, how it is in the contemporary setting. And and I think that that's still a fascinating thing because this social media landscape that we're in, everything's homogenized. Like they just kind of, they expect us to understand that, you know, North of Noosa is this insane, like barren, gorgeous, super hot Queensland area that no one knows, about. you know, that like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of like, oh, you mean you don't know that? And I, yeah. I'm raising my hand. I'm saying I, I, I don't. And I think there's a lot of people that don't. And the best way to learn about that stuff is through a print magazine that's going to dive deep. You know what I mean? Like social media is too, it's just kind of, it's so thin and preliminary and top layer that. A young surfer doesn't get to understand or doesn't get to the excitement of understanding the depth of culture in Australia.
0: Totally agree. Yeah, the deeper dive, the thin versus deep is accurate, I would say. Um, And long form writing allows you to do that. And surfing world always has one kind of They're always glancing back at history as well. You know, they are interviewing like in this magazine, Ethan Ewing, for example. So there are kind of current modern, but they're always with a glance back towards what was what came before. So there's also rites of passage that you go through with the magazines that you don't go through on social media.
1: Super important. And um, my tip of the cap, tip of the cap to Sean and the crew. That are putting out that wonderful magazine. Yeah. Sean Sean and uh John Frank are committed to it. And
0: again, it's a labor of love more than anything. There's advertising, of course, in the magazine that covers kind of the uh the costs of paying writers and photographers, which is also an important detail that's going away without um you know, with social, with everything kind of being available for free on social media. So the whole model's changing, but this still has absolute value. And it's great to see that there's people who, every time we bring these in, um, the same people are ordering it, you know, and I'm shipping copies out to them all across the U S. So if you're interested, surfing world mag surf splendor podcast.com, go to the shop. It's there. Do it. Um, feedback listener said, Hey, I had a Great trip to Bali and Sumatra. Came home feeling disoriented when I got picked up at the airport late Wednesday. Somebody checks in on me the next day. uh, I'm sorry, same buddy checks in on me next day. Comes back Friday morning and finds me passed out on the floor. Ambulance to the hospital, 12-day stay, staph infection, fever, 104 degrees. Didn't know where I was, who I was. I had about three days of heavy dose antibiotics for a 12-day stay, um, was talking, uh, was taking leg below the knee where the infection took hold. Sorry, this is all one long run-on sentence that this listener sent me, but essentially he got staph infection and ended up in the hospital for three days. Uh, he's back to about 85%, uh, but there's still swelling and discoloration in the leg, all from a small cut. Between the toes that I cleaned and was all healed up before leaving Indo. So, can't thank my buddy enough and the doctors and nurses at UCSD that got me back. So, I wanted to read this just kind of as a PSA to listeners Indo, Sumatra, or Bali and Sumatra trip. He got a small cut in between the toes, didn't think it was a big deal, fully cleaned it, fully healed, and then gets home, finds himself passed, or a buddy finds him passed out on the floor and spends days in the hospital.
1: Yeah, look, that's gnarly. It's a, uh, a a tale of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Tale, I don't know, cautionary tale. Maybe, that? that's what I was looking for, a cautionary tale. What we do know, sounds like the infection was already in his bloodstream. The injury itself healed up, looked good, but this thing was floating around in his blood. And so uh, anytime, and I know this guy did this, but anytime you get a cut out there or anywhere, frankly, clean it up, man. Staff is a serious deal. Very dangerous. Yeah, no joke. Well, the reason why he
0: wrote it was in reference to our last show's conversation about um, not surfing as well as he once did. He said spit was hitting close to home as I have not been back in the surf and I've kind of lost some of the stoke and I don't understand why I'm getting back at it little at a time and not knowing uh, or knowing that I won't be at the level that I was six months ago. Uh, He also just turned 66 in August, and this incident has him feeling like he's 66. So adios and aloha from
1: George. Well, George, you know what? Good for you, dude, for keeping at it, because as George knows and all of our listeners know, being in the ocean, no matter how you get in, is super important to uh, just our mental outlook, our, our spiritual outlook on life. You know, like there's something about it. We mention it all the time. I know it's cliche, but being in the water is important. You know, like um, on a bunch of different reasons for a bunch of different reasons. And I'm stoked that at 66, he's out there surfing and he's inspiring me. And so stay with it, stay at it and uh, just know that it's where you're supposed to be. It really is. Can't overstate it, actually. Um, The other thing that I wanted to bring up to you was.
0: uh, we you were talking about. We were talking about the Freedom Force, the new qualifiers for the CT. Oh, yeah. And you were talking about many Freedom Force. And you're talking about individualism in the U.S. and how that seems to be different than, you know, Brazilian camaraderie, essentially. Um, I was watching the new film, uh, the McGillivray film called Big Wave Guardians. Have you mm-hmm. seen that yet? No. Where is it? Where is it playing? I saw it as part of the jury for the Florida Surf Film Festival. So I don't think it's actually public yet, but it oh, will. I be...
1: interviewed uh, Marty Hoffman about this last exactly. few, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see exactly. that. Should I see it? absolutely it's fantastic and it does by the way this is not what i was going
0: to talk about but it does a lot of what you were saying you want to see like shane dorian's ride let's do a little mini series where we individually you know uh unpack individual important rides in history with the photographers and everybody in the water kind of the way that stab is doing with the best surfing i've ever seen but those are maybe full sessions let's just do isolated one individual rides this film actually does that with a number of different rides and they're mainly centered around wipeouts because the film is about lifeguards, big wave guardians. So it'll, you know, talk to Mikey Red who had that wipeout at Pipeline where he almost died and they really get into the details about what went wrong on that wave, but it's more centered around of course the life-saving efforts. Um but so yeah, when the film comes out, absolutely everybody should see it. We'll talk about it here I guess on the show more. It's very good. But, um, Brian Kailano was talking about how Hawaii in Hawaii, surfing is a community activity. You know, like when you were saying Americans have more individualism, you're right. And we're talking about mainland America, of course, in that conversation. But when he said surfing is a community activity in Hawaii, I'm like, man, you're totally, that's accurate, you know, and it is interesting how different sur- the different role that surfing plays essentially in different countries. Um, But yeah, when something he was talking about it as it relates to their community, their life-saving efforts, because when something like that happens, basically people stop surfing, like clear the water. They don't intentionally clear the water, but everybody in the water rushes to help the person and then even gets out of the water to see where, how things end up, you know?
1: Yeah. So I, I guess what comes to mind for me is that community, uh, Ethos certainly is missing here on the mainland, and the other thing that jumps into my head is the concept of localism, and like localism to me, in its grossest form, is more of a North American phenomenon. You know, it's more of a, you know, kind of hoarding of the resources, where I think in Hawaii, and please, listeners, chime in if I'm going off base here, but I th- would suggest to you that in Hawaii. It's not localism uh, in that sort of individual, I want mine. It's more like territorialism, more like, hey, this is ours, ours as the community. You're not allowed to come in and Im- impose your so-called individualism on this community thing. And and so the thing that they're protecting is the community rather, whereas here, I think in North America, the thing that we're trying to protect is me getting mine. That's very interesting.
0: Yeah, because you're right. It is. Localism does exist in everywhere that surfing exists, but you're totally right is that the mentality behind it is very, very different. I wonder what that, I mean, you've, I think, uh, stated correctly what it's like in Hawaii and California or the mainland, but what it would it be like? How would you define it for Australia?
1: I I imagine it's very similar to North America mainland. It's It's very much like, you know, this is for me, I'm going to get what's mine, everyone else get out of my way. And, you know what I mean? It's not as community based. And and I think a lot of that has to do with just the history of Polynesia, the history of Hawaii itself, you know, what happened when the United States came over there and basically just took Hawaii. And um, there's a real sense of, hey, man, you know, they're taking a lot from us, they're not going to take this, you know, this is like, You know, this is us going surfing, you know, like you're not taking this. This is truly Hawaiian. There's no way that the, you know, sort of American colonial hegemony is going to be able to to infiltrate this aspect of our culture. Uh, Whereas I think in Australia and in North America and probably most of the other places around the world, save perhaps Tahiti or other Polynesian islands, um, you know, it's more of like an individual sort of selfishness.
0: Yeah. Fascinating. Never thought of it through that lens before, but it makes it also makes sense why there's so much confusion in the water when people travel and they don't understand the etiquettes is because the way that you behave in one place isn't the same. I mean there are certain rules that I mean there's if you respect other people I think then that's uh universally uh appreciated and that's the right step for the f- right front first foot forward, but there is still so much nuance beyond that that creates confusion confusion yeah
1: yeah well that's interesting you know the whole thing because i i do think that part of it too is well for instance when i'm in hawaii um what i've noticed about true hawaiians is that they're not stressed out about catching waves like me i'm like what's the swell doing what's it going to be like tomorrow oh the tide's high i got to be there between three and three thirty in hawaii they're like dude the ways surfing is just like eating, like it's going to happen, you know, like no need to get stressed out about it. You know what I mean? Like the waves are going to come, it's going to be good. You know, there's way more of um, it, it's a part of their, it truly is ingrained in how they live their lives. Whereas here it's like, okay, I got to go to work. I'm going to compartmentalize that. I'm going to go do my surfing. I'm going to compartmentalize my surfing. I've got You know, everything's compartmentalized. Whereas there, the ocean being an Islander, it, the, It's all one thing, you know? Yeah, being an island in the middle of a vast, vast Pacific Ocean,
0: it's a plentiful resource. You know, there is no, with your food analogy, there's no food insecurity. They've had plenty of access, not fighting over the largest piece. Um, Whereas you and I, we're on a massive continent, with a tiny, tiny little bit of sliver of ocean available in front of us. Yeah. And we are fighting for the scraps essentially when the dinner is delivered.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the main topics that I have for today's show I are. That just put a lot of anxiety on me right the way you said <laughs> that. We're fighting for the scraps. And I feel like that, that's why you pick Oliver up the, with Bill Sykes looking over my shoulder. It's That's it's, why you pick up the foil it's a it, no, it's hatchet, funny. It's a hatchet well it's a hatchet to do battle with out in the ocean no but it's another it's, it's like it's as if you found a little hubby hole of food that no one knew about and it, yeah. and it's and it's vast there's a lot of food there there's a lot to choose from
0: you found a new food source that nobody was eating before
1: yeah they didn't know you could eat it it's like 5g waves like i found a little element that's no one has tapped into how far are we going to take this analogy? Should we just keep going? <laughs> nice. It's like I'm at a buffet in Vegas and I don't know which
0: to eat the crab legs. Um, okay, so the main topics that I have for today's show are Laura Enover winning the uh, Guinness Book of World Records for the largest paddle and wave for a female. We've got yeah. Kelly Slater's new pool in Dubai or Abu Dhabi. We've got Bethany Hamilton. This is kind of the most interesting story to me. Um, Bethany Hamilton splitting with Rip Curl over ideolo- ideological um, disagreements after 24 years. And then, of course, Ben Gravy surfs seven oceans in seven days, which you may not think is a news topic, but it is.
1: Where do we go? Where do we start? Yes, let's start with Bethany, since you seem to like this topic and it's it's sort of broad and speaks speaks to a, a sort of a bigger issue, a more of a a global concern,
0: yeah, it really does. And you and I have kind of debated whether or not these sponsor conversations are even relevant. And my argument is that they definitely are because the whole landscape is changing for how surfers get paid, how business is done in the surf world. And so this is a reflection of that. But this is be a step beyond that because this is, like you said, a reflection of conversations that are taking place in the world at large. But let me give you the details. Bethany and Rip girl are no longer partnered after 24 years of partnership. She was actually, her contract was signed for another uh, four years or three, about three years actually. In January, 2027 was when it was set to expire. She actually signed that in January of 2022 for five years so they broke the contract mutually apparently so in february of 2023 if you'll remember we discussed it on this show bethany hamilton posted on instagram a video selfie video in opposition to the wsl's newly released at that time transgender policy which stated that the wsl adopted the isa's policy on transgender participation Basically, meaning that transgender surfers would be allowed to compete in their identifying gender category. Bethany opposed this and stated that the ruling it was essentially unfair to biological females. That was her main argument. It was about fairness. Stab uh, wrote this, wrote an article about this, and they stated that quote this reportedly did not sit well with Rip Curl, who pride themselves in being inclusive. Bethany also stated that she would no longer compete in WSL events unless this rule was amended, end quote. So STAB is kind of reading into it um, the part about it not sitting well with Rip Curl. They don't cite anybody specifically. There's no spokesperson from Rip Curl that chimed in on this, but this is just what STAB apparently has insider info on. Um, So anyways... There, With another news topic that we discussed was at the Portugal event last year, which is sponsored by Rip Curl. They were honoring female surfing. I think it was Female Surfing Month or Day or something. Or uh, I forget exactly why they were honoring, but they asked all the surfers, male and female surfers, to put the name of uh, iconic female surfer who they appreciate on the back of their jersey. Nat Young as a male and Betty Lou Sakura Johnson as a female, both elected to write Hamilton on the back of their jersey, and the WSL prohibited them from doing that because of Bethany's stance that she took publicly against them. So, and by the way, that was a Rip Curl sponsored event. So that's kind of an interesting detail there. Uh, cancellation is what you know you might call that. Is the WSL is trying to cancel Bethany for her views against them? And then the next kind of important uh, point in the timeline here is that three months ago, Rip Curl launched a campaign entitled Summer Looks Good on You, which featured Sasha Jane Lowerson, the first trans woman to compete in and win an event uh, and is the Western Australia longboard champ. So this split apparently between Bethany and Rip Curl was uh, mutual. And presumably, or what Stab presumed, is that Bethany would actually not be paid the remaining the remainder of her three year contract, which can presumably be between half a million and about three quarters of a million dollars over the course of those three years. Um, apparently, both parties signed an NDA, and part of that NDA is that they're not allowed to speak about it publicly or even privately. So nobody knows the terms of the deal. All that we know is she had a contract through January 2027, and that is now broken.
1: Wow. Well, my first thought on this, coming into this blind, is that it seems like a mistake for Rip Curl to drop Bethany Hamilton, or for Bethany to. I guess it was Bethany's decision, right? It. it, They said it was mutually uh agreed upon yeah but so it's so how it came down i imagine that bethany said hey look like who was the first one to say hey let's talk about this because it's not making sense for me as an individual or for us as a brand like i wonder who started the the discourse that that ended up creating this divide great question don't know
0: but clearly Bethany probably took to Instagram to oppose the WSL's policy without checking with Rip Curl, let's presume. Like, these are my views. I'm an individual. I am going to state my views, right? Well, Rip Curl, I think as a company who wants to sell products to the masses, not just Bethany Hamilton fans, uh, and not even probably considering Bethany Hamilton, designs a campaign that is more all-inclusive. And so I think they got a little ways down the road and they recognized... We are absolutely all about inclusivity and Bethany is a public figure who is opposing some of our brand's ideology, our newer ideology now, I would say. Uh, And how do we reconcile these things? How long until the public starts calling us hypocrites as a brand and we start getting bad PR for being associated with Bethany? I think that was the decision. So I think they got a ways down the road and they recognized the conflict and to answer your question i don't know i can't imagine that bethany is the one that says this brand no longer reflects my ideals so i am going to try to get out of this contract i think that she would try to protect that income almost no matter what and it was probably rip curl who saw it as a conflict for them to be associated with her but but the part that i don't understand is that stab reported that bethany is leaving the money on the table i don't know if they have that information or if they're just presuming it I cannot imagine that any manager worth their weight would agree to that. I think Bethany has to get the kill fee for, for the contract.
1: Yeah. Those are, those are not vagaries, but important, uh, you know, elements of this conversation that we just don't know the answers to. We don't have the information on, but um, I think more will be revealed about that. Uh, I, from a, from sort of a big picture standpoint, two things come up. One rip curl doesn't have a very good record with female surfers they let stephanie gilmore go and they let bethany hamilton slip away like to me that's kind of a fail i mean those are two of the greatest surfer women surfers ever yeah i, I know i, the, I don't know it doesn't I, affect their bottom line it probably doesn't which is fine but culturally as a surf fan i'm kind of like you oh, know that's it seems odd, but I'm sure it's working out for them. In the, the 90s. Way, I love Rip the... Crow and I love Rip Crow products. I'm not here to bash on Rip Crow. I'm just thinking, gosh, you know. I think that's more of a reflection of the
0: changing way that we do business and surfing now. Like I I think in the 90s, they would not have let those things slip away. But at this point, they're like, look, uh, we've milked. the Algorithm
1: tells us it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. like We've gotten what we need out of this association with Bethany Hamilton. And anytime anybody pulls up an image of Bethany Hamilton, it's from you yeah. know, the last 25 years and our logos are placed everywhere over that. So yeah. what is Bethany going to do for the next 10 or 20 years? How public of a figure will she be? And do we need to be a part of that essentially? You know, so I think I think they're, uh, they're made, they made a calculus and that it's not necessarily worth, and I don't think the amount that they were paying, Bethany was even factoring into that calculus. I think it's a negligible amount for Rip Curl. I think yeah. it was more a matter of is it worth the risk and the liability of she was willing to speak her mind and we're not convinced that what her beliefs are aligned with our beliefs. And so, you know, quote beliefs as a corporation, if a corporation can have beliefs.
1: values, yeah.
0: Well, so here's my thoughts on it. The rip there's two conversations, the WSL and what they've did in their treatment of Bethany, I think is one thing. And then rip curl is a separate thing. And so I'm going to discuss rip curl here. Because uh, that is the news story, but Rip Curl is in the business of selling product to the public, you know. And for better or worse, up until the last, I don't know, decade or two, large corporate brand- brands mainly marketed their products by using good-looking, fit, white people. I mean, that's generally been who the models have been for big corporate brands uh, in their marketing. So, ethics aside, whether that was right or wrong, I'm of the opinion that. That model kind of limits their own fiscal interests. And I'd go a step beyond that and say that not only should the models and the way that you market have diversity, but internally within the company, the board of directors should probably be diverse. The marketing team should be diverse. The executives should be diverse because that allows you to tap into varied perspectives that may then allow you to tap into a varied demographic of customers. You want to access the most customers possible. So I think Rip Curl made a pretty simple decision here. And um, I don't think that they are naive enough to think like, we are going to tap into a trans demographic of customers and sell them a ton of product. But they are savvy enough to know that the inclusion of everybody makes a statement and those optics are actually endearing them to the current public sentiment you know what i mean like it's not as if there's a ton of trans people in the world and then they're going to spike their sales by accessing that it's more of a statement that will then it just looks great for the optics for them to make this statement i feel not not to can bethany but to include everybody in their marketing
1: yeah it's it's a pretty multi-layered conversation as as you can tell It's, it's pretty deep and And frankly, I'm trying to tiptoe around some of this stuff um, because I'm just ignorant and/or naive about it all. Um, And I think it's important, you know. I think these discussions are important, Um, but I don't. I just think it needs common sense. Like from a competitive standpoint, I don't think the information is in yet whether uh, transgender athletes have an advantage over specifically females in the female category of surfing, competitive surfing, a male that turns into a female. Yeah. I even probably said that wrong. I bet that's not well, even the right way to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the WSL conversation
0: though. And I mean, Rip Curl, okay, right. Rip curls a marketing conversation. Right. You know, this is about, and so, and I don't think that Bethany, by the way, never made any statement about being against the uh, Rip Curl's, yeah use of trans athletes in their marketing yeah. camp or trans yeah. people in their marketing campaigns
1: it seems I see, to be let me give you my thoughts on rip girl my yeah. thought is that it's no secret that bethany is uh is a devout christian woman um that and she has been her whole life and she um openly acknowledges her relationship with jesus christ and with god and how that's been a, a real strength and a pillar for her. And I'm quite confident that it has. Uh, I think it's evident that she's a strong woman and um, she's amazing. I mean, Bethany Hamilton is frigging amazing. And um, however, I think from a business standpoint, from a, from a uh, corporate standpoint, that position is a little bit scary because it does sort of, Limit you as a corporation, like when your when your athlete is is has structure around her values that can't be that aren't pliable, uh, which is by the way should be celebrated. I mean that's cool that she's got strong ideals and she's sticking to them. More more power to her. But I understand why Rip Curl would move away from this because I think I think more than anything they saw the writing on the wall years ago and they were just kind of like, okay, it's cool. It's Bethany. She's cool. Everything's cool. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then it got to a point with this transgender discussion where it's like, okay, this is kind of the final straw regarding Bethany. Like, we love her. She's a wonderful. She's incredible. She does have these incredible values and ideals, but they are limiting uh, as far as our ability to cast a wide net from a marketing standpoint and to be inclusive. And so I don't think this is like, oh, this happened and they just, just, I think this is a long time coming. And they've always been kind of walking on pins and needles around Bethany's, um, you know, sort of robust and vocal, uh, you you know, acknowledgement of her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's been, um, and I just think that this is the time where they went, you know what, Let's, let's all agree to... Love each other and move on from each other, but respectfully. And I think they've done that. Yeah. And the reality is, it's a different conversation when you're talking about a global
0: corporation. You know, they, you're right, they need to assess it the way that you just did. If it's a small brand, they can actually embrace this individualism. And in fact, that's the small brand's best asset, you know, is youth against the establishment or whatever it happens to be for their slogan. And so what's strange is that Bethany fits Rip Curl's ethos perfectly because she is the definition of overcoming adversity and breaking stereotypes, especially as it relates to body type. You know what I mean? Like that Rip Curl campaign of Summer Looks Good on Everyone, it's like Bethany could be the poster girl of that campaign. Um, And so Bethany, Bethany would have been the poster girl for that campaign had she kept her mouth shut. You know what I mean? And that's really where this becomes interesting is, hey, Bethany, you want to just stay silent and collect a paycheck? You can do that. you know. And Bethany, I don't know, with, with hindsight, if Bethany would make a different decision, because certainly at the time, I don't think she knew what the fallout would be from that Instagram post, uh, but she and Rip Curl are actually perfectly aligned except that they are a global corporation and the global corporation's only interest is selling goods
1: to the masses the the nuance is gone the absolute queen of walking this line in a perfect manner is dolly parton dolly parton has done such a good job of like whatever it feels like eight decades now she must be 80 of just like being able, everybody loves Dolly. Like, you know, like Ayatollah Khomeini loves Dolly. You know what I mean? The Pope loves Dolly. You know what I mean? Like Hindus in India love Dolly. Like Christo-national fascist Nazis love Dolly. Like everybody loves Dolly. Taylor, Taylor, well, Taylor's got an opinion, but I mean, Dolly does this really great job of walking the fine line of and it's a sincere thing that she does too. It's just purely Dolly. It's not even fake, you know. She yeah. just like wants to. She wants to love everyone, and she, she's like, "Let's all get along." And and it and it comes from who she is deep inside her spirit. And uh, I think that, you know, that's just not who Bethany is. Bethany's going to say, "Hey, man, these are my beliefs, and I feel so strongly about it, and about my faith that no dollar amount gets in the way of that." And you know, and I'm not saying Dolly is sold out or anything like that. I'm just saying she's just a queen of being able to, like I said, everybody loves Dolly, you know?
0: Yeah, and I don't feel like Dolly's ever sacrificed her own beliefs or shied away yep. from her beliefs. And she's just a very uh, savvy communicator and like witty as could possibly be. So if you look back at old interviews with her where very inappropriate machismo culture where night shows late night shows are dominated by males who would then ask her about her boobs, you know, and stuff like that. The way that she would respond to those questions never threw egg on the interviewer's face. It was always a really deft joke. She was the butt of the joke a lot of times, but she walked away just being endeared to everybody and yeah. catching the paycheck.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. But I guess, so getting back to Bethany, um, You know, if we try to wrap up this topic here, I I would just say, I feel like Bethany did what she wanted to do and she's comfortable with it. Rip Curl did what they had to do. They're comfortable with it. The end user consumer, I don't think gives a shit. I I really don't. I I think some of this really like deep granular um, extremism on both sides of the aisle. Nobody cares, man. Just freaking... You know, just do what's right and let's move on with our lives and let's love each other. Like, it's not that hard. You know, like we don't have to like impose crazy, my crazy values on you, no, you know, because totally, it's not going to
0: work. Yeah. Well, Chaz's wife, Cersei, actually represented Bethany Hamilton for a long time as her mm-hmm. manager. And yeah. so I texted him yesterday just to get Cersei's take. I'm like, you know, there's no way she left money on the table, right? Like she had to get paid out by this. Um, so we'll kind of, I'll, I'll wait to hear back about what her take is and then maybe report that, but my, I have one more question for you about we'll be this. waiting. I
1: don't think you're going to get an answer. I think the smart move here is to kind of just button up. Well, I don't think that Cersei will hear directly
0: from Bethany and share what Bethany's view is. I think that Cersei will share her own personal opinion on how this deal would have been done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: but my question to you is how do you feel about Bethany quote being canceled by any and all of this Instagram post?
1: Um, I, you know, I mean, has she been canceled? I, I don't even know. I think the WSL sort of canceled her when they said you can't put her name on the, on the back of a Jersey, which that's just silly. Like, like the WSL blew it, but that's just, you know, <laughs> that's how I feel about this too, which is,
0: Rip Curl makes sense for them to make this decision. They decided on a direction for the brand identity, and she publicly proclaimed that she has a conflicting identity. Rip Curl would look hypocritical if they continued to keep her in their marketing. They look strong for taking this stance. It's good for optics. Done deal. The WSL, it was a misstep because they could have capitalized on a controversy to gain more viewers. You know what I mean? So, two different decisions for two different types of businesses. I think the WSL lost an opportunity to leverage the conflict and Rip Curl has done a good job in sidestepping a potential conflict.
1: Well, the, the big thing that Rip Curl, I think did, I mean, that the WSL did wrong is they just should have just done nothing. Let you, if they've just said, yeah, we're Bethany Hamilton, she's cool. But this wouldn't even be, we wouldn't even be talking about this. Yeah. Of course, you let Bethany Hamilton's name on the back of a jersey. She's one of the greatest, if not the greatest surfer of all time. Yeah. You know, but to then go, oh, no, we can't. We got to pull that off because she doesn't believe in this or she doesn't believe in that. It's just like not thinking it through, which is, I think, you know, I don't want to say par for the course, but it it speaks to, I think, the lack of enough voices at the table right. over at the WSL.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, final note is a comment left by John on STAB Magazine. In the comments section, he said, quote, the West is on a self-destruction path. Bethany had unique challenges and understands it's counterproductive for institutions to protect the feelings of everyone. Embracing her adversity made her the unique success that she is. Trans people can still compete in their biological division. Maybe it's not perfect but whining about it and expecting institutions slash governments to intervene won't resolve the root of the issue. Everybody has unique challenges, take ownership and figure it out, end quote.
1: Yeah, well, that's pretty well said. And frankly, right now, there's way bigger issues in the world than in this, but in some level, this is sort of a microcosm of it all. Yeah. That's the thing is I
0: think there's way bigger issues in the world. And then this is the biggest issue in the world. You know what I mean? In certain ways. And so yeah, people um,
1: not being able to just get along like adults, you know?
0: Scott Bass, real for any and all of your water sport considerations.
1: Well, yeah, look real water sports. I mean, uh, the winter is here. There's a lot of stuff we need for the winter that sometimes we don't think about for the summer. Booties, uh, maybe some a hood, uh, maybe a helmet, um, maybe a sun visor, as the sun seems to be harsher in the winter. For sure, some earplugs, and of course, surfboards themselves, along with the fins. Real Water Sports has a variety of hard goods and soft goods, all of your surfing needs at your fingertips when you log onto their website, and they ship to everywhere and anywhere.
0: Yeah nailed it. I mean, we talk about the hard boards and foil setups and all that stuff all the time, but they're soft, good stuff. They've got everything essentially. So not only what you need for the water, but for what you need outside of the water too. And then of course they carry our favorite surfboard fin, NVS Naked Viking, which is just making fins for the best of the best board builders on the planet essentially. And um, those are made available to the general public. So albums got fins with them. Roger Hines just I'm I've been writing Roger Hines fins from them actually for a couple of years, but they weren't widely released. I think Roger was just making them available in the boards that he would sell, but they just made those available for wide release as well. Stu Kenson's got fins, IPA's got fins, everybody. So you could check all of that out on surfnvs.com. And then I like I said Real Water Sports also carries them. So you could throw it in your cart when you're shopping at Real Water Sports too.
1: Yeah, I've been riding my Stu Kenson Twinser with my specially designed Stu Kenson Twinser NVS fan, surfnvs.com.
0: When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. free. That's linkedinjobs.com/slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Laura Eniver wins a Guinness Award. Did you this is a wave that you've seen? We actually discussed this wave last week because um it was part of the big wave, the new big wave challenge or whatever they were calling that. Yeah. Um, she rode a wave on the Outer Reefs off Oahu on January 22nd, 2023. And now that I think about it, that's almost the same exact date Bethany was signing that contract. Um, anyways, it was 43, it was deemed to be 43.6 feet in height. And that is the new world record because Andrea Moeller held the record since 2016 for her 42-foot pihi bomb. Both women got detonated at the bottom of the wave, which we kind of discussed last week. But did you see this ride, and what are your thoughts?
1: You know, I I want to say I've seen this ride, but I I've seen obviously I've pictures it, of it, but yeah. it's the left at Himalayas. Yeah, right. I dis- know, yeah,
0: maybe I can dis- pull. Up. Yeah, we discussed it last week. It was Laura Ennever surfing that day of that. No, I remember
1: year. the wave. I'm just trying to remember, like visualizing the wave in my mind right now. I know it's a big blue, beautiful left. Okay. Well,
0: let me ask you this.
1: Yeah. What are your
0: thoughts on the world record being given to Laura Enover for one foot and six inches t- taller than the wave that Andrea Moller rode? My point being, how That's in it. the world do we define the height of these two waves? It feels super subjective to me. Um, I watch the two waves and I go, I don't know. Andrea's looks as big. Like it's making a pretty definitive statement to say that Laura Envers is bigger and now gets its own award and we can objectively define the criteria.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I I think even how much better PR would be if they tied. You know, if, if they just said, "Look, they're tied. We've measured it and oh my god, randomly it's the same size wave." How cool would that be if we had two women, not just one, but now we have two women who are holding this Guinness world title thing, yeah. you know, to me, that's a way bigger win. Well, Andrea's Andrea won hers in
0: 2016. So she's the current, or she had been the record holder for all those years. So they're now saying Laura's, you know, no, but this is the Guinness book
1: the of world records, right? Like th- yeah. you can tie the Guinness book of world records. I'm not saying for the year. I'm just saying yeah. forever. Well, I feel like
0: the, if the Guinness book isn't giving out records, then they're not doing anything. Their business is to give out records. And so it's almost like they saw this, that looks like it could be a contender. And then they deem it a winner, but coming up with the actual 43.6 feet seems asinine to me.
1: Yeah. Did, 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 who did, I mean, Guinness must've like relied on somebody from Bill Sharp's camp or somewhere to, to measure this thing right and, and and another thing i think to get a guinness and let me is this is a guinness record right is that what we're talking about is a guinness book of world record yes yes right, she got okay. given the record two or three days ago to do that you have to lobby like they don't just go oh let's like people send in to guinness and they go hey let me raise my hand here and show you something that might be interesting i think we've got something that you might you know what i mean it's not so So along those lines, I saw a Grid article yesterday. I didn't
0: read the article, but I saw the headline on Instagram, and it said that the WSL put its finger on the scale uh, for Laura Ennever, and they are doing a lot of promotion surrounding this. So I'm wondering if they were the lobbying body that you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it might be because they are just kicking off their big wave world season too, and there's a lot of PR about that. So they're like, hey, you know. You know what
0: Laura I mean? Laura is part of their commentary team. So that makes perfect sense that the WSL would be behind this. And they could. And it by the way, it was their criteria for the big wave world tour that they use to measure uh the wave and oh, deem okay. and deem yeah. it as being. And so I, you know, got I have a quote for how they measure it. And you can kind of determine whether this seems objective to you or not. But their quote for how to measure waves is quote. A team of scientists and engineers collaborated on the analysis using a range of wave measuring techniques including video footage, detailed information about the site, location of the videographers and the location of the wave to determine the wave height. Several frames from the video footage were extracted and geometrically corrected based on camera positions and angles using known objects such as jet skis and actual measurements of Enover's body geometry it was possible <laughs> to calibrate the images for conversion from pixels to feet. The location of the trough and crest of the wave was determined from the analysis of the video from two different angles, end quote.
1: I'm not, first of all, I'm not, I don't want to take anything away from Laura but I think she's fabulous. And I think this wave is huge and it, it probably is a world record. And that kind of speaks to a, a bigger topic i think on this is that i don't think people care too much i I, i'm sort of i I don't know you tell me are we overwhelmed with big wave records and big wave world titles and like uh, you know is that just me being an old guy get off my lawn or like this doesn't strike me as you know i don't know you know what i'm saying like i totally understand for laura and i'm stoked for the other gal that i I agree yeah andrea moeller
0: yeah moeller yeah look it should progress every year you know if if there are big enough swells to ride on a given year then the surfing should be better and more um advanced aggressive all of it than the previous year uh i just feel like this Every time professional surfing and a lot and mainly competitive professional surfing attempts to objectively define something, it loses credibility with me. And I think it yeah. loses credibility with non-surfers as well, because they can look at it. It's one thing to watch a UFC fight, see two heavyweights slugging and see yeah. one guy get knocked out. And you go, That guy's the winner. But when the wsl or whoever in professional surfing tries to say this is the best and then the viewer watches it and goes that doesn't look the best to me i saw griffin colapinto in the wave pool or you know or idolo or whatever and that looked better to me
1: and yeah that's the problem i think i have with this is that they are trying to put a square peg in a round hole and that is to create an objective way to judge this in a very subjective situation that's impossible to be objective about. Exactly.
0: And you and I, the wave pool analogy probably isn't the most crystal clear one because that exchange between Griffin and Edalo was so nuanced. But, you know, that, that the general user, the general viewer wouldn't know the difference between those two. But it's also a great example because the point is it's subjective. Nobody's right. Like one person thinks Italo won, the other person thinks Griffin won, and they're both entitled to their opinion because there's no objectivity to it. Now, if you took that wave pool wave and Andrea Moller's wave and said, which one is bigger, that's clear as day. But when you're trying to parse the difference between a 42 foot wave and a 43.6 foot wave at yeah. two different locations.
1: Yeah. Good lo- that's just way- silly. It's silly.
0: It's silly to even get into that mess. And so when I see the WSL or whoever making these bold statements, I'm just like, you guys are killing the whole thing. You're putting a knife in it. Don't make a statement until it's worth actually drawing everybody's attention to, because now it's all worth nothing, you know?
1: Yeah. But um, look, congratulations to Laura. (laughs) I'm happy for, It's a 43.6 foot wave, according to the Guinness experts and all of their different ways of measuring. And I'm sure they brought in a bunch of surf photographers and everybody and it's all good. Congrats, Laura. And I'm a big fan of hers. And um, I think she brings, she's a great commentator. She brings a lot of spark to the commentary booth. Uh, She's very sincere. um, And I'm I'm a fan. And I'm I'm a fan of her. Huh? i'm a huge fan by the way yeah. and i always have
0: been check check the records from shows yeah. for the past decade i was rooting for her on the ct i'm a huge fan of her surfing she's incredible
1: and frankly rip curl should sign her <laughs> maybe they <laughs> well, do okay. I don't see, that's the thing i don't even know who sponsors who these days and i don't really care she's on billabong last i checked but the point
0: is also in relation to that uh sponsor conversation that model is so tired and old anyways Rip curl doesn't need to sponsor her they don't need to sign a five-year contract. I would actually argue that Bethany has an opportunity with the right management to make more money now that she's not tied to one specific brand you know what, what I mean like paying. what were they paying her two hundred three hundred thousand dollars a year she can earn Probably. that she can earn that in small chunks from a bunch of different companies that would conflict with one another and or Rip Girl if there was a long-term contract. So I think that all needs to be rethought of and uh, reworked. And it is, by the way. Uh, Jack Freestone just did a photo shoot with Rhythm, the clothing company and board short brand. Mm. And he's not sponsored by Rhythm. He went and did a photo shoot for their board shorts in very much in the same way that uh, brands would hire Cindy Crawford back or whatever the new model is, Emrata nowadays, Mm. to go and do a photo shoot with their product. And then she's doing a photo shoot with a competing brand next month for their product. And they're paying her, you know, six figures for the photo shoot. That's what
1: Bethany should be doing. I would say, however, that because Bethany is so vocal about her faith, that I don't think there's a whole lot of brands lining up that are global corporations that, that, want to roll the dice with with her um because of the all the things we talked about with rip girl like it's now you mentioned there's some small companies yeah she might be able to nickel and dime her way through a bunch of small companies that have those same ideals and that would proudly ask her to continue to actually during during the um pieces you know like spread your faith you know like there you know there's you know, I don't know. My pillow guy or who, I don't know. There's small little companies that would do it, but I think you're looking corporations, at corporations. Do you think Hertz wants anything to do that? Do you think um, Microsoft tablets? I do. Wants- yeah, I, do?
0: Totally, I totally do because I don't, I think you know a lot about her faith. I don't think those companies do. And I think if they, yeah, but they're going to
1: do some due diligence here
0: Well, to a degree they will, but that's not the top thing that pops up about her you know what i mean like she's yeah but will she act- will
1: she want to do business with them when she finds out that they're sponsoring the trans olympic team or whatever you know what i mean like that's up to her yeah i don't I yeah can't i mean speak to she's that. obviously already kind of painted herself into a corner from a from a business standpoint to a degree i think that that can all be readjusted at this
0: yeah. point and yeah. the other thing that you're undervaluing is do you know who one of the wealthiest filmmakers in the world is
1: Cameron. Oh. Kurt
0: Cameron. Kurt Cameron, years and years and years, 20 years ago, decided he was going to make Christian films.
1: And now he's into porn and he's killing
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I'm going
1: with this. Oh, sorry. Well, you said the wealthiest film. Yes,
0: filmmaker. because of those Christian films. He yeah. is the Stephen or the Martin Scorsese of. Uh, christian films he's Wait a minute. Dom- Wait a minute. that sounds that's a
1: stretch that's a stretch look it up dude i'm telling you right now no, i'm not saying he didn't he doesn't make a lot of money but to call him the martin scorsese of christian films is, he is he is
0: he you mean dominated. his direct
1: his directorial prowess is yes. of, i'm not talking about dollars and cents i'm talking about his artistic there is nobody else. is there on is, the same same level I'm like he's putting out like, you're misunderstanding Godfather right. type
0: shit. <laughs> I'm not saying that the art is of the same quality as Martin Scorsese. I'm saying he dominates. There is no other filmmaker in the Christian right. filmmaking space that is yes. at his level. He right. is dollars the, wide right.
1: I got you. He's he's coming. and even
0: the quality of those films. You know what okay. I mean? Like compared. Have to you watch one
1: Christian of those films? films? Have you seen any of those? Then how do you how do you know that they're artistically on the same level as Martin Scorsese?
0: They're not. That's not the point. (laughs) They're not artistically on the same level. If they were, I would be watching them. They're not artistically. What I'm saying is he is the kingpin director of Christian films. There's nobody else even in the conversation. You know what I mean? At that level. So my point is 20 years ago, he decided to your point about Bethany to play Mm -hmm. that Christian card and to play it hard and to only play it. And he then became the kingpin of that space, and there's a ton of money in that space. Turns out there's a lot of Christians. Those things tour to not only churches, but they end up playing in wides, you know, in uh, in mainstream cinemas, and all the Christians in the community go and watch those films. And so he has made a killing. So Bethany could take that same approach and be like, "I've got this market cornered." Like if she chooses to do what you're saying. She could play that card hard and be like, I've got this market cornered. This is who I'm going to be. I'm going to now do speaking engagements all around the world at every major church and charge, charge 50. And
1: I think she does that already on some level, but yeah, you're right. She could like put put it on steroids and just go speak at Joel Osteen's thing in Texas or wherever and just go around and basically just kind of hit up the Southern Bible belt over and over again with uh, messages of, of uh, perseverance you know exactly
0: yeah so there's plenty of business opportunity here I think the self-identity as Christian thing she can either double down on it or ignore it and go do the Hertz ad that you're talking about I think she has the world
1: is her oyster currently with the proper management you know um you don't think Hertz hurts see my point was that these corporations are going to be like okay You know, we did some due diligence. Here's the deal. She's really strong and vocal about her faith. And, um, you know, like they'll see the Rip girl stuff that happened. They'll see what happened, which, by the way, she didn't do anything wrong. I'm not saying that she did. I'm just saying that from a corporate standpoint, I have all of these people to choose from that are going to uh, that we could use as spokespeople.
0: I don't think I don't think her brand is that closely tied to Christianity. And this rip curl thing is a small blip. It's not on their radar at all. They'd have to go to stab magazine to read about it. Um, So I think that the other thing is who's watching actual TV commercials, you know, middle America, older people. And so they see a Hertz commercial pop up with Bethany Hamilton. They don't know any of that Nuance you know what I mean right, like right, it, right. it they know who she is and that she overcame adversity and that there's a movie and a documentary about her and they yeah. love that so I yeah. think it's I think it's a safe play if Bethany chooses to brand herself that way henceforth
1: yeah she could sell orange juice she's like the Anita Bryant yeah of modern era
0: totally um well the other one story that is worth discussing is Ben gravy surf seven oceans in seven days Seems like he partnered with Rip Curl for this project, but he traveled uh, from Atlantic, the Atlantic, you know, New Jersey, the Atlantic Ocean, all the way to Norway and everywhere in between to surf seven oceans in seven days.
1: That's quite a feat. That's like you said earlier in the lead up to this. That's a little gnarlier than you might think as far as the travel, um, you know. Getting into all the logistics of it, getting making sure I, I guess there doesn't have to be too many waves, you just gotta paddle out and catch one. But he did, he did Where did he it. go exactly? Where did, where were these seven? Like, where did he stop each time to surf? There's seven locations he must have surfed, right? Do you know that or no?
0: I'm not off the top of my head. So, well, Lof, Lofoten, uh, Norway. Oh, Lofoten. He, sur-
1: <laughs> he surfed this
0: little left barreling reef pass, like oh, a little tour. slab at Lofoten. Exactly. You know the one? Um Texas for the Gulf of Mexico, Bells Beach, um, Bondi. Let's see. Bondi Oh really? So he went
1: to two different oceans in Australia. That's helpful. That's smart. What would let's see, Bells would be what is that the Southern Ocean? And then Bondi would be Bells would that's like the corals, the Strait of what is that? So there's got to be the Indian Ocean yeah the
0: Pacific the Atlantic um he did Japan he Japan did...
1: the Pacific I guess
0: yeah Japan would be the Pacific um yeah you think I would have gotten all that in my notes rather than That's scrolling okay. his Instagram on air but at any rate yeah it's a it's a novelty I mean the thing is yeah. he did 50 states in 50 days previously We're not, not in 50 days. I think the 50 States thing was just over a period of time, but this is kind of, I've often questioned with Ben gravy. I'm like, man, when is he going to run out of gimmicks? Like when he's done with 50 States, what does he do next? And the fact that he's doing seven oceans in seven days proves that the kid is super creative. And it also makes me think I did my entire career wrong. I've been sitting here talking about surfing for a decade while he is traveling the world, actually surfing.
1: Oh, I don't know. You're, you look comfortable. I think you're in a good spot. I'm, I'm pleased with your choice. If you're not, I am. I think you've okay. done well. When but I do, Ben is finally... a piece of work. I'm a big fan. Good for him. You know, and he'll come up with something cool to do next time. And, uh, and you know, like you, as you know, he was at the boardroom show this year, and it, there was a massive line of Ben Gravy fans lined up to get his autograph. I undervalued Ben Gravy years ago.
0: When I saw the YouTube thing and it was just, it's not my brand. And yeah. I'm like, you know, my my style of anything, yeah. the the aesthetic, <laughs> the vibe, all of it. It's right. too
1: right.
0: it's too um sugary sweet with yeah. positivity, you know. And it, <laughs> it feels vapid to me. Like I'm like, oh, where's the substance? Like he's not shredding. Why are we watching? You know, like I want to see him rip the crap out of a wave or something, regardless of the aesthetic of it all. Um, but
1: Oh, go ahead. I didn't, I was going to say, you got me thinking about what your brand is, you know, like, and I thought, okay, if I walked through a mall, if I was walking through a mall, which store is David's store, like which store fits his aesthetic the best, right?
0: I can't wait. The
1: one I came up with, I can't remember the name of it, but it's a really nice furniture store.
0: Oh, restoration hardware.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Restoration hardware. That's, that's David Lee scales, restoration hardware. And I think that's fair. I think that it's classy. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, wood grained and old and leathery and, um, but nice, you know, I'll like, take it's, it. yeah, it's not Cracker Barrel or <laughs> I'll, absolutely... Ben got a cracker barrel. <laughs> I'll
0: absolutely take it. I would love for my home to be all restoration hardware. That would be a, that would be an yeah, upgrade for me. Um, I feel like yours is Eddie Bauer. <laughs> uh, is that insulting (laughs) dude you've got the vest on right now you've got a fleece on i feel like you could be driving the eddie bauer
1: to uh i i mean but i think restoration hardware more like not like what would be the the furniture in your home i just mean like that represents david lee scales like Mm. and maybe eddie bauer does does represent I'll spend some more time thinking about it. Actually, let me come up yeah, with another I one. For it might be too hard to to, to pigeonhole us into one store,
0: um, but I like it. It's a fun exercise.
1: Anyways, I
0: undervalued Ben Gravy. The contributions that he's made, I think, are lasting at this point, and the his resonance with an audience is undeniable. You know what I mean? I mean they're they're reporting about him on the news because of these exploits, and his yeah. surfing is better than I assessed it to be from the early days or maybe he's
1: just gotten better at surfing but he's a good surfer yeah he gets it done i'm a big fan i I like ben he's a good guy he's one of the good guys um so his
0: he was at the boardroom show and what he was rolling out there was his hardboard
1: line i believe right yeah yeah he's got a new line of hard surfboards where are those do you know who's making them or where they're made um yeah there's a shaper in oceanside i believe that's making them um I think if you just do a Google search for Ben Gravy surfboards, all that information should pop up. Let me see if I can pull it up. Well, the the reason I'm asking is I did that.
0: I didn't do that. But after the boardroom boardroom show, because I wanted to talk to him and I never got the chance. But after the boardroom show, um, I Google or I Instagrammed him. Like I looked for the hardboards on his Instagram and I couldn't find anything on the Instagram about him. So maybe you have to go via Google. I'm looking
1: at him right now. Algorithm. Gravy's signature surfboard model. Um, And frankly, they look pretty good. The thing about surfboards these days, I got it down for just your average guy, which by the way, nine out of 10 surfers, maybe nine and a half out of 10 surfers are below average surfers. Yeah. All of these boards make tons of sense. You know, there's like a semi-pro that just, it's just a simple outline with a rounded square tail. There's a mid-length, and there's a fish, you know. It's kind of like I guarantee you that if you traveled somewhere and they they lost your boards and you arrived wherever you arrived, and there was one of these three boards, you'd have a friggin' hell of a good time surfing on these any one of these three boards. Like you know yeah. what I mean? Like surfboards have kind of gotten to a place of homogenization, which is why I'm kind of psyched on some of the stuff I see that's kind of out there, like Donald Brink stuff or yeah. Um Noah at Lost Ark. Noah Thornton puts out some really interesting stuff. Or even the kids like like um who's not a kid, but Birch and uh and uh who's the other visla guy? Um Derek Disney. Yeah, Derek Disney, like these guys are putting out some fun surfboards. Zach, um Flores. Yeah, Zach Flores. All you know, there's there's some fun stuff. And and what's what's really interesting to me is I think the longboard space has really almost gotten there's so much board that you can change that the longboard space is, there's a lot of nuance there and every little bit of nuance is a pretty big change in how the board rides because it is such a big board. And I think with shortboards, people go, oh yeah, there's tons of nuance for the F1 that Griffin Colapinto is riding on tour. And yeah, okay, they are probably right. But for the average guy that's, guess what, only doing a bottom turn, that's all I see people doing is bottom turns and maybe a roller coaster, you know, um, that nuance in the short board is negligible to that person. Whereas on a longboard, it's a big deal for that guy. That's just doing a bottom turn. I know I watched Ben gravy in
0: Norway and he was riding one of his soft tops. And I thought to myself, that board is kind of all you need or all he needs, you know, like for that style of wave, you need a, reliable platform essentially so that you can catch a wave on and get to your feet on. That'll, you know, be, allow a lot of forgiveness essentially. And then he's just getting a little tube and then he comes out and does a floater. And I'm like, that board allows you to get in early. It allows you to get the tube and it allows him to do the floater. Like if he was riding a pointy thruster, there would, a high performance shortboard, there would be a lot of opportunity for him to botch that wave at every step at the catching it at the takeoff at the barrel and then trying to do the floater afterwards. Whereas the soft top just allows him to do it really effortlessly. And to your point, 9.5 out of 10 surfers, that's all that they really need. That's all that they can do anyways on their best day. So they're only opening up opportunities to eat crap when they try to ride something that (laughs) they think is going to allow them to unlock their potential.
1: By the way, Brian Brown is the name of the master shaper that's making Ben Gravy's line of hard surfboards. And they exactly. look like, like I said, they look great. Like, you know what I mean? Like Did you say that the name is algorithm? Algorithmsurf.com is where you will find the Ben Gravy line of surfboards. Algorithmsurf.com. And com, oh, like, they look. I said that killer. I said that I undervalued
0: Ben Gravy years ago. And here we are dedicating a full segment to hyping his soft top and hard top surfboards. I never saw this coming. No. I never saw it coming, but you know, we spend tons of time and tons of hours shining the light on our other favorite surfboard shapers too. So yeah. Um, Final must see moment for me or my, Final segment of the show would be in my must-see moment, which is the latest episode and installment of Stab Magazine's The Best Surfing I've Ever Seen, which features Andrew Kanader talking about Russell Bierke getting shacked in South Australia on a massive slabbing left in 2019. And it just reminded me, how sick is Russell Bierke?
1: Yeah, he's he's
0: incredible, right? For, absolutely. He is so insane. Like this guy, uh, he's no nonsense, basically. There's no nonsense to his surfing. He is out to get massive barreling waves. Not massive, just waves that you drop into. He's looking for massive slabbing waves, and he charges them. Uh, he's at insane wipeouts, but then the craziest barrels. So in this session, it was actually a five-day session, as Andrew uh, explains it, where the swell was not a huge event, so there wasn't a ton of people. But it ended up being really, really big and good. And so they had it essentially to themselves for five days. And Russell, you know, if it is just a one-event day and uh, one-day event, and a lot, a lot of hype around it, then it gets crowded. And so Birkey might get one good wave, let's say, in that day. But given the ability to surf for five days without a crowd, he was kind of going nuts and getting a ton of waves and uh it's an incredible piece and again russell just phenomenal to see russell because i think he is undervalued as well like i mean we always talk about nathan florence when we're talking about big barrel slabs hunting russell bierke is right in line with nathan in terms of talent and ability
1: yeah well um my musty moment is um the north atlantic right now and i think if we look at the north atlantic um we see a lot of storm activity remember last time you said we need more of this Scott where you decide where we should go surfing if we can just get on a plane and go and I think if I could get on a plane and go I would go to Morocco right now and surf those right points there's a series of low pressures in the North Atlantic and one that's frankly spinning off of um America that's that's aimed sort of more centrally towards Morocco and man what a Morocco is such if you're a regular foot surfer and you like the idea of going to Baja and surfing some fun little right points go to Morocco they're actually better than Baja they're actually right points that are good waves (laughs) you know what I mean like legit right points and there's a series of them so Morocco is a bit of a mission but if you can get on a plane fly direct to Frankfurt from Frankfurt you're going to fly down to probably Casablanca and then a puddle jumper down to the Tagazoot area and drive up. Um, well worth the time. Probably run into Ben Gravy over there too. You might. You might in Casablanca <laughs> at some kind of like hookah store. Um, final note on uh, Russell Beerkey. Remember when
0: you called him Groundskeeper Willie?
1: Yes, he is Groundskeeper Willie.
0: That was perhaps your best call ever on any episode that we've done in ten years. It was. Right alongside Mother Mother Carissa. Mother Carissa, yeah. Mother Carissa and groundskeeper Willie. That is his likeness. <laughs> he's so close. <classic.
1: laughs> uh, he's got a bit of Scottish. I don't know if that's not Scottish accent, but yeah, he's got a bit of groundskeeper Willie.
0: Yeah, he does. Oh, and also... Treeswax, petroleum-free surf wax. We love, and it's the only version that I know of surf wax that is petroleum-free. They make it from trees and rocks. It's available on treeswax.com if you would like to check it out. And then they've also been partnering with retailers. Um, and so if you're anywhere near San Rafael, you can get it at 101 Surf Sports. If you're near Pismo, you can get it at Esteem or down in your area, Scott, at Cardiff Surf.
1: Oh, go to car surfing, get your trees wax, do what I do. I have a box of it. I, you know, like I, I'm not going to buy one bar. I'm going to buy a whole box. Cause I know I'm in the water a lot. And I, that's nothing that I hate more than like searching around my car and not being able to find wax It bugs. me. So I always make sure I have a box of trees wax in my car at the ready at all times. Right on. Well, Hey, excellent show. Thank you. Yeah. Look until next time, adios and aloha
2: i've been thinking lately about the people i meet the car wash on the corner and the hole in the street the way my ankles hurt with shoes on my feet and i'm wondering if i'm gonna see tomorrow father forgive us for what we must do you forgive us we'll forgive you we'll forgive each other till we both turn blue then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven I was in the army, but I never dug a trench Used to bust my knuckles on a monkey wrench I go to town and drink, give the girls a pinch But I don't think they ever even notice me Father, forgive us for what we must do You forgive us, we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both turn blue Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven Fish and whistle, whistle and fish Eat everything that they put on your dish When we get through make a big wish that we never have to do this again 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 oh my very first job i said thank you and please they made me scrub a parking lot down on my knees then i got fired for being scared of bees and they only give me 50 cents an hour father forgive us for what we must do you forgive us we'll forgive you We'll forgive each other till we both undo, then we'll whistle and go fishing in the oven. Fish and a whistle, a whistle and fish, eat everything that they put on your dish. And when we get through, we'll make a bigger wish that we never have to do this again. Again, again. Oh, Father, forgive us for what we must do. You forgive us, we'll forgive you. We'll forgive each other till we both turn new. Then we'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll whistle and go fishing in heaven. We'll